I think the problem is that this feature is just still a worse Mac. Like Windows on the iPad just work worse than they do on the Mac. They, they are less efficient. Every like workflow task, as far as like editing photos, editing videos, drag and dropping files, it's just worse than the Mac. So it's like, I appreciate that Apple's trying, but they keep calling it a computer. And I'm like, well, the best computer for me already exists and it's the Mac. Welcome to Geared Up. I'm Andrew Edwards. I'm back. I'm John Rettinger. John, not only are we back, but this is a monumental episode of Geared Up. I mean, there's been big podcasts before. True crime podcast where murderers oh, for sure. been revealed. Athletes mm. announcing their new free agent destinations. Those have been big. Mm. Not as big but, as this. But not, but you know, this could be bigger. Now, let me let me tell you why. Not yes. only, yeah. Tell me why. I'm not, I'm not sure. Who, what may be the best guest we've ever had? Okay, it is not the only best that guess. is the best guest. You're right. You're right. This is the first time a guest has appeared. On, actually, this is the first time besides you and I that someone has appeared on back-to-back episodes <laughs> of this show. Okay. So is that a testament to how long a break that we've taken, or to the greatness of the guest? Even better. Yes, let's go with that one. <laughs> Sam Cole is back. How are you doing, sir? Dude, I'm so desensitized to these intros now. Like the endorphins are just not hitting the same. <laughs> you know, at first I come on here, I have a great day. Aww. Now it's like my day's a five even with that. But thank you guys. I'm glad to be back. I mean. He's getting desensitized. Andrew, we have to like <laughs> smack him with a fish or something and get him to feel something. I know I know exactly why he's desensitized. And it's going to be a big, big part of what we're talking about today. Sam finally made it. Oh. To a Cupertino event. Dude. His lifelong dream came true. But, but <laughs> the most hilarious part of this, he had to go as a developer. <laughs> he went as a developer with his little noisemaker app. Is that what it was? It's like an app you tap on and like makes little noises. It's called the soundboard, brother. <laughs> Not a, what is a noisemaker? Soundboard. There you go. Wow. <laughs> you, just, you just infantilized his app. Look at this little thing that he made. It's cute. You tap the That's button and make some noise. Wow. Good job. Wow. If you were here, would you listen. pat him on the head too? Sam, listen. Yeah. I just uh, let's just let's just let's just be honest here. Would you have made this app if you were not going to WWDC as a developer? My lawyer says that we're not going to be answering any questions at this time, <laughs> but we'll, we can get back to you in four to six Fair weeks. Fair enough. <laughs> Listen, oh, so look at you two getting invited to Apple. Some of us. <laughs> no, no, he went as a developer. But still, some of us still developer. don't get invited. I would argue not getting invited is even better. Mm. Yeah. So the whole world. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying. The majority of the world. I'm the just, I'm point. just, <laughs> perhaps I'm salty. But, and, I, and, and Andrew, I think that I want, I want to be sensitive to your relationship. But when you are regularly invited to Apple events and they send you things, you are expected to toe a certain line, right? Now you have freedom to do and say what you want. Obviously there's no string attached, but certainly there are certain expectations that go along with that. Is that a fair statement? So I I think that's a fair statement, but what I think most people think is that the expectation is you don't say anything bad about Apple products or company. The expectation that I've found is they're looking for fairness as opposed to the radical hot takes. So if you have something fair to say, you know, they sent me, they sent me a MacBook pro a couple, like the previous one before they switched back to the, the better keyboard. And I basically said this, I forget if it was the second generation or third generation butterfly keyboard. And I was like, 
I don't know how I can recommend <laughs> MacBook Pros anymore. It's been several years now that these keyboards are the main the main things on a on a laptop is a screen and the keyboard. Everything else is a bonus, but at the basic level, your keyboard and your and your trackpad. So if any of those three things is a poor experience, you cannot in your right mind recommend this product for people to buy. And so that was something that I put out there and I was I was I was like upset about it. Like Apple laptops went from being like the king in a lot of areas to being just unreliable and how can you recommend unreliable products to your audience? And I had no problem saying that. I wasn't scared to say that. I did not think they would cut me off. But if I did the okay, Apple is removing this from the box. Here's the hot take. They're lying to you. They're not doing it because of this. They're lying. They're doing it because of that. That would be different than, all right, they say it's this. And while that may be true, there is also these other benefits that they're getting. You know what I mean? So it's, it's that kind of thing. And I think it really comes down to though, and I think John, you'll appreciate this, is being a journalist versus being a hot take personality. And I think that's really what they're looking for. If you're a journalist and you're fair in your assessments, they're fine. I think that's fair. My experience with them has certainly been different, which is why that I'm, I'm no longer. Now, you had that one. And I agree. I was on your side completely. The iPhone XR. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is what it is and it happened. And it's fine. I, and I understand. So I think, you know, just perspective thing, right? Perspectives are different. And certainly Apple's not telling you what you can say or not say. And I think you're right to clarify if that's the misconception. We send you a phone. It has to be positive. And that, that's not what they're saying. Just my experience with them was just different. I've told that story before, so probably not necessary yes. to, you know, to retell once you think it's appropriate. But welcome back from Cupertino, gentlemen. There's yes. a lot that got announced. There's a lot to talk about. I'm excited, finally, for pro apps on the iPad. I think it's about time. <laughs> so I'm really happy that they, they finally announced that. Yeah. And I think, I think everything too. we saw from, from iOS 16, you know, all the lock screen changes are great, but the changes to the home screen are drastic. I mean, so I'm really excited for the, the home screen changes. Everybody in the audience is just confused. That we saw. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> did, did, I, did, did I get that wrong? We, we, don't have, we don't have pro apps. We don't have any home screen changes, right? Correct. Got it. Okay, let's talk lock screen. Let's talk. Okay, iOS 16. Let's talk. Wait, for, wait before we get into the features, I wanted to, because <laughs> we didn't really get to debrief. Okay. That's, okay. There's a lot to Sam debrief on. Fair. was running around like a child, okay? <laughs> no. He did a vlog where half the content of his vlog is him just laughing in pure joy. Oh, that's awesome, though. As he's though. walking around <laughs> Cupertino. <laughs> oh. So, how, so you just need to give, give us a quick rundown. How was this event for you from your perspective? Dude, I'm on like a morphine drip, but of Apple Park. Like I can't really get cut <laughs> off or I'm not going to be okay. Like I, I think about it actually every day. I have the desire to go back more than I have, have ever wanted to. My drive to be invited as a member of the media has ne I've never been more thirsty. I've never been hungrier in my life. <laughs> and no, it was an amazing experience. Like I, it was also cool because I was experiencing it with like the developer community. So it was cool to see that side of it. And like, Honestly, like it was cool to meet a lot of fans and people that have like watched my stuff. But more importantly, like we were all just there to be a fan mm. of Apple and be excited. Like I remember right before the keynote started, I was like, guys, are we getting the headset? And like we were all having a conversation about that, which spoiler, we didn't. But it, it was just fun because everybody was so excited. And yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful. Thanks to Apple. Please, Apple. I'm here. I'm anytime. Just give me a call. I'll fly out to Cupertino. The weather's beautiful and you have it in and out. So I'm basically in. 
<laughs> I've got to say, it was interesting. They've never done a WWDC or any event from Apple Park itself. Yeah. The closest you usually get is WWDC usually has thousands of people, so they take it off-site. And then even for the smaller events like an iPhone launch, you're at the Steve Jobs Theater, but that is actually – it's a walk from – the actual campus or you're on campus, but just you're not in the ring, basically the headquarters, the building. And they basically turned the headquarters into the venue. Yeah, that's cool. It's like bright Southern California sun. They have an LED outdoor screen. You can see perfectly in direct sun. I don't even know like what was the nit count <laughs> on this. Like you're in direct sunlight and you just see it's perfect. More than nine for sure. The sound, because you're a lot of people are outdoors, a lot of people are indoors, and the sound just sounds like you're sitting in like a living room with great speakers. It's not echoey. Like yeah. sometimes it's like, what is it that they're just going above and beyond with all this stuff? The food was incredible. The hospitality, like it was, it was almost like they were trying to because it was the first in in person event since iPhone 11, so two and a half years. In a long time, kind of welcoming people like home into their home rather than into a venue. It felt if it had that different vibe. All the PR people were like out there waiting and and so had their everybody's hugging people. Mm. Like it was kind of insane to see. It was a cool experience. I wonder if they're going to keep this style cuz I like I I really like the style of you go, you watch the pre-produced video as opposed to people coming on and off stage and like doing weird demos. And then you go to the hands-on area for in-person stuff. It felt, it felt really nice and fluid. I hope they keep it that way. Yeah, it was cool. My only heartbreaking moment is when I was walking next to Andrew Edwards with my developer badge toward the Steve Jobs Theater and the man snipes my ass. I was like, oh, that was like my Joker story. I was like, right. you'll see. <laughs> And then I walked off and cried. So we, yeah, after the keynote, <laughs> they immediately start shuffling different groups of people. Yeah. Like, hey, you're going to go this way and you're going with that one. And they're looking at your badge. I didn't realize it was your badge color that was indicating where you were going. So if you were media or, or select media, I guess, they're sending you to the Steve Jobs Theater so you can go hands-on with the MacBook Air and MacBook Pro. Yes. And if you're not in the media or selected media. So if you're in the media, you go there for the, like the, the crowded hands-on area. And then if you're more select media, you get to go downstairs to a more private area and do some briefings and wait around after and get private hands-on. So Sam, I was just like, Hey, come, come along with us. Just let's go in there. And the guy's like, what are you, what are you doing yeah. with that badge, bro? Where do you think you're going? <laughs> Instantly. And his face, like he, he looked shocked. Now this was the second time Sam got in trouble, by the way. Yes. The first time was the day he arrived and they told developers oh. no cameras and Sam decides to bring his DSLR with him to get content. And they're like, excuse me, sir, what do you think you're doing? Yeah, that showed up. Well, okay. To be fair, they said to the event, this was the developer center the night before, which was not clarified. So I would never intentionally break a rule like that, that I knew. Mm. So, to, you know, they didn't clarify. I will defend myself there. And, you know, I will also say... The iPhone's great at vlogging, but it doesn't compare to a $5,000 rig. So, like, you know, if you want your campus to look the best, why not give people the opportunity to make it look the best? I, I don't know. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's my only feedback. Fair, Fair enough. Fair enough. But, yeah, it was amazing. So let's jump into iOS 16, though. iOS 16, obviously, that's the... It's a big one. The most, the biggest, the most used out of everything that people are going to be messing with. Now, I know John was clowning on it a little bit. 
with the lack of home screen. I'm just being listen with YouTube. Somebody has to balance things out a little bit. So I just I, I balance I balance out the hype train bit. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Big features. Obviously, there's the lock screen changes, lock screen customization, which obviously. If you're on Android, you, that's one of those changes. things. What do you mean? We've been doing that for years. We've been doing that for 12 years now on Android. But obviously the lock screen on iOS, and I would argue on Android too, in a lot of, in a lot of instances, has become just where you go to see notifications and the time and maybe the weather if you're on Android. And Apple reimagined that by saying, we're gonna have, we'll have notifications there, but we're relegating that to like the bottom one-fifth or one-sixth of your display. If you want to see them, go ahead and swipe up on them. But your home screen is now going to be all about the important widgets, so the glanceable information that you want, as well as personalizing the look, the look and feel. And I haven't really switched mine up yet because I'm running iOS 16 on like a on an extra iPhone as opposed to my main one. I usually wait till the third or fourth beta before I before I jump in. But to me, as someone who cares way more about what happens when I'm past my lock screen versus on my lock screen, I don't necessarily care about this from a personal perspective, but I bet this feature is going to be the highlight feature for the average person out there. People are going to be redesigning and and switching up and having all their different home screens for different times of day or whatever. What do you think? Home screen. I'm in. Lock screen, rather. Lock screen, not home screen. I'm going to continue the hype train. I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm going to balance it. I'm going to balance it out then. I'm not subscribing to the argument anymore, Andrew. The apologist argument. Before you say something positive about Apple, you have to say, well, we know Android had it first. We don't have to apologize in advance. I'm, I'm, I'm hard on you today, Andrew. <laughs> Listen, I think, I think it is a fundamental change for Apple, especially for how notifications are handled. And I think it's a a sea change for how they've approached their lock screens. And I think a lot of ways, the core functionality of iOS. So much like the way that I think it's fair for politicians to be able to change their minds as information changes, I think it's also fair for companies to change direction when the needs of their customers change. So I I think the lock screen stuff is actually, I know I I clowned on it before, but I think it's actually a great change. And I think it's a, a sign of bigger things coming. But most of my phone things are not done on the lock screen, right? And I think most of your phone things are not done on the lock screen. Right. So I think it's a precursor to an always-on display with the iPhone 14 Pro. And I think that is just for sure. very clear and very apparent that it's coming. That's awesome. I'm all for that. Where I was disappointed was really there's no fundamental change or no real change at all to the interaction with the phone, to the home screen. This is really what I'm talking about specifically. There were fundamental changes to haptic feedback when you type and that kind of things. And a lot of little things that maybe haven't been revealed yet. And maybe we only know 80% of what's going to be in the next version of iOS because iPhone 14s aren't here yet. But I still am hoping for there to be a change to what iOS can do aesthetically. Because I, I do think it's time for even a fresh coat of paint on the operating system. I agree with that. What would you want to see? Fresh coat of paint. Do you have any ideas of what you would want that to be? I'm going to take the sarcastic hat off, but I still think it would be amazing to be able to put icons anywhere I want on the screen, even if even within a grid. I think that would be amazing. I would love to be able to have a shortcut to call my wife on my home screen without having to go through shortcuts, 
and sort of not hack one, but just make it very simple. I don't want the phone to work against me. I want to call my wife, I want to click a button on my phone and have it automatically just call her. So I'm not talking things obviously don't exist, that things phones aren't, aren't capable of, just very easy things, at least theoretically, easy things to, um, to have happen. Now, that's the home screen, or the lock screen, rather. The biggest TikTok video I've ever published in yeah. my life was like eight seconds long, Credit Federighi saying that you can now unsend and edit messages. That is actually very huge. It's huge, but it's funny because, you know, half the comments are iPhone users saying, yay, finally, this is great. And the other half, again, is like WhatsApp users saying, we've been doing this for yeah. a decade. We could. So I feel like a lot of what Apple announced and it goes for each operating system, maybe not for watchOS because no one's touching watchOS elsewhere on a, on a competing yeah. platform. But for the others, it felt like without them saying it, there's now just an Apple OS because almost every feature that they announced somehow, let me tell you about iOS 16. Here's all the new features. Then they talk about the Mac and then in the Mac, they're like, well, all that stuff from iOS 16 is also here. And all the stuff from the Mac that we're telling you about is also on iOS 16. And all of that is also on iPad OS, for example. A lot of these changes seem like Apple is like catching up to other app competing apps, like changes in mail are catching up to Gmail, for example. Changes in messages are catching up to other more popular in the world at least, messaging apps. So editing, unsending, and marking, marking threads is unread. And then I thought, which was big for me, starting share play sessions from messages rather than having to be on a FaceTime call. That's nice because usually if you're watching something with someone, you don't want to have them off to the side. Like no one's looking at each other, you're just here because you're looking at the screen of what you're watching. You just want to text about it. So that's great too. But what are the other major, major iOS 16 features? I feel like there's a lot of little improvements. Quality of life. I mean, the unsended messages was, was, was big. Obviously being able to edit messages after the fact. And then Marco is unread. It's not a little thing. That is true. It's a simple thing, but it's important. I mean, we've had that in email for a reason, right? You've read it. And then you mark it as unread, which is it's just a weird it's a weird way to phrase it because you you have read it. You've read it. But it's saying I need to be reminded about this later. I don't want to forget about this. I need to take some sort of action that I can't take right now. And usually that stuff in messages just gets forgotten about. Yeah. I mean, for me, the highlights were obviously like the new aux screen. But I also love that they, they sort of revamped notifications. I don't know if it's necessarily better yet, but I'm sure it's going to improve a little bit throughout the beta cycle because it's kind of weird to get them on the bottom, but you sort of get used to it. I mean, I think a lot of the draw for the lock screen isn't necessarily that it's the widgets. It's the fact that you can change the font and the colors. That's what people want. And, you know, like it took a while to get here, but it's also incredibly well done. Like you can, they just feel like they really took their time with it rather than rushing it out. They changed how wallpapers work too, like system-wide where there's animations now, which is like live wallpapers are sort of here that we've been wanting since like the original iPhone. Then you got the, the map stuff where you can do multiple routes for a destination. That's incredibly helpful if you're running errands to like show you the most efficient way to do it. I literally just used this yesterday, the live text quick actions where you can hold your phone up to like a currency and then tap it and the phone will translate and, and convert the currency in the camera app. Like I, my friend was literally on eBay yesterday and he was like, 
wait, can't your iPhone do this now? And I was like, yeah, dude. So I just, I held it up and it converted euros to dollars without having to ever do a Google search. I mean, it, it, I, I was like, this, it really is the biggest update in years. Plus on top of everything else, did you guys see the, well, okay. The medicine, medicine tracking is cool, but like the CarPlay stuff, the CarPlay redesign, dude, that was crazy. Yes. I'm curious to the implementation of that because it's all cars that are coming soon. Yeah. No, they said the cars that will implement the new CarPlay stuff will be announced at the end of 2023. Yes. So it's interesting because at the end of 2023, we won't be running iOS 16, mm. right? Well, and like, We're running iOS 17 at that time. We'll be halfway to iOS 18. And there'll be another dub-dub where they could have announced this in between then. So it's like, why? Well, I guess this is how to get them on board. Hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose. And then I saw like The Verge, I think, did some reporting where like they reached out to a lot of the partners yeah. and the partners were like, we don't yep. know about this yet. And it was potentially a way hmm. for Apple to be like, you're going to want this though, because 88% of car buyers won't buy your car if it doesn't have the new CarPlay. So buy yeah. this. And it's also, but it also like, looks better. <laughs> Apple doesn't want to show this. They don't want to show it to a car company, then have the car company leak it. So they're just going to show it at WWDC yeah. and then bring it to them, right? The interesting part about CarPlay, obviously, it's nice to have it integrated with the car and car functionality. But the big thing is what that means for Apple's. I think Apple's car. Is Apple abandoning right. that? Is Absolutely. Apple going the, the software route? And it's very unlike Apple to license their software to other manufacturers, right? You don't, you don't have a Samsung phone with iOS on it or a, a, a Dell you know, running macOS. So I don't think that's going to be the case, but we do have now a better sense of what the UI on that Apple car is going to look like. And I am going to make a prediction that I think the first go. car, and I mean the first car that's going to support this new version of CarPlay is not going to be the car most people think. Which car is it? I'm going to go on the record that I think the Lucid Air is going to be the first car to support this new version of CarPlay. Mm. What? I don't have any inside information, but I do know Lucid is a company that has worked closely with Apple. That UI, how they showed it, looked exactly like the Lucid dashboard. That is true. That That's is true. true. Like 100%. <laughs> and Lucid yeah. has been saying for months, CarPlay is coming. CarPlay is coming. We're waiting mm. on Apple. We're waiting on Apple. Okay. CarPlay is coming. We're waiting on Apple. That's nice to hear because I feel like a lot of these newer companies, obviously Tesla, Rivian, Rivian does not support CarPlay either, right? Do not. Nope. So it's almost like, have they said anything about it? Like it's coming in the future or are they more Tesla-ish where it's like, we don't need that? They want to do their own shebang. I don't like that. I don't I like just want that. it to be an option, right? I Come on. Like, I, I don't know. I felt the right. same way in my it's Tesla. Like after seeing this, I was just like, it should just be an option. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. Give me the option. One more thing on the, on the lock screen that I just thought was yeah. really cool. I don't know how many people use focus modes yet, but... The fact that you can tie a lock screen to a focus mode, so you can say, I'm going on vacation, I'm switching over to my weather lock screen with the animated weather, and you, as long as that's your lock screen, you can ignore all your work until you get back home and switch to another lock screen. So cool. So then you don't have to worry about focus mode so much as just home screens. The home screen means this is what I wanna see and do. It's super cool. Let's move on to iPad OS 16 which has had some, <laughs> some controversy, if you will. Fair. Have you seen this controversy, John? I've heard some things. <laughs> so the main feature, for a lot of people at least, in a lot of people's minds, and I, and I think it's legit, is Stage Manager, which is 
it allows you to have multiple windows of apps open on your the screen of your iPad instead of having them in like split view or slide over or full screen mode. Think of it like a Mac. You can have up to four apps open at once on your screen and you can have up to four collections of four apps. You can basically have 16 apps running, up and running on your iPad. And then if you plug in an external display, now you have to have an M1 iPad Pro to use this, and that's where the controversy comes in. If you plug in an external display, you can have 16 more. So you can have 16 on the external display, 16 on your iPad Pro, all running, all fast swappable switching to them with none of the apps being killed in the background because of the M1. The controversy is that it's only for M1 iPads, which is only one generation of iPads. So iPad Air and the latest iPad Pro. People are saying, why is Apple software locking this just to M1 iPads when previous ones should be able to do this? Now, it should also be said the previous iPad, even though it came out in 2020, was running a 2018 chip with just an extra GPU core. So it's a four-year-old chip. Even if you have a 2020 iPad, you're running a 2018 chip. But people think the 2018 and the 2020 should be able to do what the current M1 is doing. And it's interesting because we're used to Apple putting out software updates for old devices and having them run great. But we also saw when the M1 came, people saying, why are they putting so much power in here? We don't need M1s in an iPad. There's nothing that M1 can do that the other iPads can't do. So what's the point of this? So there's like two two sides here. And it's interesting because Apple has had to come out and talk about this a couple of times. Craig Federighi saying, here's why, here's what the M1 does, here's what the speed of the RAM in the M1 means and the amount of RAM in there needed. And we wanted stage manager to just be, this is what it is, as opposed to, this is what it is if you have an M1. And if you have a A12Z, then you can do this, but not that. And if you have an A12X, then you can do this, but not this or that, et cetera. What is your opinion for both of you on Stage Manager, on the iPad in particular, and this whole thing? I'll let our guest go first. Sure. I, I made a whole video about this because I, I was sitting in the back watching it, and I, I was on Apple's side for the first week because I thought what they were saying is fair. And I thought it made sense until you realize that on their own site, they say, I mean, they basically cite that you need the memory swap. You need the virtual memory swap that only the M1 provides to do this. And then they're like, well, actually, there's this base M1 iPad Air with only 64 gigs of internal memory that doesn't support memory swap, but even that still gets stage manager and it works fine. And I'm like, well, wait a second. If if now we're making exceptions to the rule, we're not being consistent here. And I, I feel like honestly, Apple, like, I don't know. There's a lot of people that I've seen that I, I always just hate where it's like Apple did this conspiracy to get you to upgrade and it's all part of their master plan. And I just, right. honestly, if they can't get the messaging right on this, why would they be able to get a master plan completed? Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Like, like they're devious enough to make you like over the years upgrade to the M1, but they can't get the messaging right on one feature. Like, come on guys. They just clearly messed up. Up, they made a mistake and now they're sort of trying to do damage control and that's okay. Like companies make mistakes. They don't have to be perfect. I, my only problem has come from the fact that sort of after they spoke out, it, it's made things look worse because of the inconsistencies. And I have a feeling 
that later in the beta cycle or later this year, we might see Stage Manager come to some other iPads, or we might see some of the features or less windows because they basically came out and said all this, and then they've just been quiet sort of after like the final nails in the coffin came out that there's like exceptions. So I I think they're going to think about it. I think they're going to spend time thinking about it. And at the end of the day, we want the company to be better. This is how you make a company better is by sharing feedback. And I think it's cool that Apple at least responded in the first place. Like at least they're trying to be responsive and to listen to us. That's all I can ask. I was part of the course last year who was like, why you put an M1 in an iPad if you're not going to do anything with it? And then now the course is, well, why can't the other iPads do what the M1 iPad can do? At some point, there has to be a reason, whether it's a software, hardware, or actual thing or not. And Apple has to entice people to want to buy the more expensive newer iPads. Like there, at some point, there has to be a breaking point where they say we're just it's just not going to be there, whether it's physically capable or not. I mean, I'm sure it is. So, like, I I get it. I don't think it's part of any sort of grand conspiracy. But I do think if Apple's trying to in the business of selling iPads, they want to get people to buy the newest, most expensive one. So I understand it. I have iPadOS 16 installed on my my iPad, and I was super excited to try Stage Manager, but then having every window windowed got very annoying. I just wanted to watch YouTube. Like I didn't need to like open YouTube, then extend the window, and then move it again. So I actually turned Stage Manager off. It's nice to have when you, when I guess when you need it. Have you found instances where you? Because I know you use your iPad a lot. Have you found instances where you did? either maybe need is too strong of a word, but where it was nice to you, nice to have or no. I mean, I think it's nice. And listen, I think it goes back to the carpool thing. It's you have choice, right? If you or Sam are like, hey, I love this. You should have the option to use it. And you know, you have to buy the newest iPad to get it. And that's awesome. And if you're like me and you're like, it's just not my jam. Oh, you can turn it off. It's not being forced down you, down your throat, which I think is, is a unApple way to do a new feature. Usually it's just there. Like it's there, get used to it, have fun. So I like it. I like that it's there. I don't know if it's for me, but when it is for me, I like that I can turn it on or off. How about that? But I love that I can mark my text as unread on my yeah. iPad. I do. I love it. We all we all have our favorite features. What about Stage Manager on the Mac? I just want to say one more thing about Stage Manager on the iPad. I sure. I don't like the feature either. And I agree with John that I find myself turning it off more. And I am in the exact same camp as John, where before I'm like, we need the iPad to do more. They put it at one and then after. So it's like, I'm kind of in a weird spot. But my, my conclusion, because I, I worked on this video for like three days, like I just kept going back and forth different conclusions. And I realized, I think the problem is that this feature is just still a worse Mac. Like windows on the iPad just work worse than they do on the Mac. They, they are less efficient. Every like workflow task, as far as like editing photos, editing videos, drag and dropping files, it's just worse than the Mac. So it's like, I appreciate that Apple's trying, but they keep calling it a computer. And I'm like, well, the best computer for me already exists. And it's the Mac. Like, I, and that's in the Renaissance and it's amazing. So it was just weird to, I just wanted to sort of cap the conversation with that, that like, I'm glad that they're trying, but I, I feel like all this controversy is about a feature that's just mid, like it's not even insane or like worth all the fuss in general, which made me even more confused. Do you think though, out of curiosity, a larger iPad <laughs> would, would make this feature feel better? Is it iPad OS that's limiting you or is it the screen size that makes it feel limiting? It's both. But yes, I am in the camp that I would like a larger iPad. Then that this feature would definitely excel on a larger screen. Because I agree with John, things got crammed really quickly. Yeah, I, I would love the idea of a larger iPad. I am all for it. If there's a 14-inch iPad, I'll be the first one in line for that. But I do agree with Sam as well, that it's it's a lesser computer. 
But if your primary task is media consumption with some media creation, then it's perfect. You know, it's great for replying to emails. It's great for browsing the web. It's great for watching videos. And you can do other things, but there are other things that do those other things better, namely a, a computer, like a real computer. So I think it's a nice middle ground. It's definitely a, a tweener product. But I'll say one thing when I'm traveling, the first thing I pack is my iPad. The first thing I think to take is my iPad. So there's certainly a, a big need for it, even if that, that market is not fully matured yet. And I still think every time we see the new version of iPad OS or iOS or whatever I operating system they show, we never get the full picture until the new hardware comes. Yeah. So I don't think we really know what iPad OS 16 is going to be until we see the M2 iPads. I don't think we really know what iOS 16 is going to be until we see the iPhone 14 line. For sure. So I think I think we're looking at things with one eye open and one eye closed and trying to see a full picture where we don't, you know, we don't have it yet. We're like Link going to the dungeon looking <laughs> for the map. We don't have the map yet. We think we know where the dungeons are, but we don't know. But damn, if we've been waiting for this map forever, though. Just want just yeah. to say that. It's been like five <laughs> yeah, years in the dungeon. A story. A couple other things, including something we've been waiting forever for. We have a weather app on the iPad now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. And you can change the resolution of your display on your iPad for the first time. I think of any, yeah, of any iOS device, display scale. No, just M1. No, I'm saying it's the first, it's the first of any iOS device where you can change the resolution of your display. Yes. Yes. So it's a first. Can I also say that I have a native calculator app on my watch? (laughs) (laughs) Damn, you're right, though. But not a native calculator app on the iPad. And if you want to see the disaster of a wasteland, just on your iPad, go to the app store and look at the different calculator apps out there. It is like, how many ads can you tolerate while trying to do long division? Oh, my Um, God. And you want the calculator subscription plan? We have no ads and you can do your long division in peace, but then you got to pay three bucks a month. It is... The absolute biggest disasters. Listen, I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to make any apologies. Please do. The calculator apps on the iPad, the experience is like the Google Play Store on Android. It's a Play Store. It's, it's the app experience there. You have 40 ads popping up, and you just wish they would do it themselves. Oh, that's so annoying. I said it. I'm not going to apologize for it. John, John, CalcBot. That's all I'm going to say. CalcBot. Is that one of the ones that like secretly can hide your like adult pictures <laughs> and like you, know, you, get, you put in there, you put in, you put in the right code, you put in the right code, Andrew, and uh, you know you get access to your no 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 your tax folder yeah. homework from the makers of Tweetbot, which is a very popular third party Twitter app. Calcbot is a fantastic iPad calculator yeah. app. No ads, you just pay. One, I think it's like three bucks or five bucks. But you get no the pay. Ads, I, I'm good. I, that's nuts to me. But yes, I'm sure it is a good app. And I, I will three, give it a shot because worth it. Just saying. It's a Starbucks. It's a Starbucks. Before we get to the MacBook Air, which is hardware, just one other feature. This, yes. It doesn't matter where. I forget where it was announced, but I was so happy to see that shared iCloud photo libraries. That's pretty awesome. Shared yeah. libraries. And there was a, a lot of misconception out there. I feel like every single person who talked about it said it's for iCloud families, but it is not. It's for you and five other people. They can be in your iCloud family or they can be someone else. Because if you think about it, you might not want your eight-year-old to have access to the shared library and just start deleting stuff, right? So, but it can be, you know, you, your spouse, maybe your, your sibling, your best friend, whatever it might be. Everyone can be a part of one shared library. 
So you just have a max of one you can join into, but it's you and five other people, whether they're in your iCloud family or not, or even if you're, if you're a part of an iCloud family or not. That's great because I feel like that has become more and more of a problem as we take more and more photos with our devices. Photos get lost. Some people care about them. Some people don't. Or someone's like, hey, take a picture of us. You take it on your phone that you never text it to them. So seeing this feature come and it's a full on library, it's the exact same features and everything, full resolution content, full resolution videos, but just in a separate library that's shared and you still have your own as well. That's a big finally for me. Maybe no one else cares about that. That's cool. I liked it. I mean, that's exciting for you. Hardware. We had a MacBook Air. We do. We did have a MacBook Pro. We had a MacBook Pro. We're not even going to really address that. I think what, you know, John, John has said several times in the past, which I think makes a lot of sense. When you basically test something in advance, you got to make your money back on the design over time. You know what I'm saying? So at this point, the M2 MacBook Pro is so cheap in my, uh, in my estimation for Apple to make. Just keep making it. They said it's the second best-selling laptop in the world. Just keep making it then. So it's just an easy money maker for them, but I don't, I don't know who should buy that. I don't think anyone should. The MacBook Air, on the other hand, looked incredible. It looked incredible. It felt incredible. It feels like the future of what a laptop can be. What in particular? Because I haven't seen one in person. I haven't held one. And I, I love the MacBook Air line, so I'm, I'm genuinely curious. So... It has the, the the cutout at the top, like the, the notch, right? So they, they did that, but they've also extended the display. So the display's a little bit bigger than the previous. It's 13.6 inches instead of 13.3. The thinness, like it literally feels like you're picking up an empty case. Like when you when you like get your hands on the upcoming iPhone, like dummy models, it kind of <laughs> feels like that before a laptop. But what blew my mind, because they had like all these different apps on there. So I opened up Final Cut and they had a project in there. And there was an area where it was either seven or eight different 4K videos all stacked on top of each other, all flying at the same time. And it would literally like you could no no stutter at all. You just play it or you can scrub or you, it's like the power, at least for certain workflows is insane. And when you look at the MacBook Air, like the Geekbench started coming out, the MacBook Air handily handily defeats the base 2019 Mac Pro. Oof. Which is nuts. Like handily. Yeah, that's crazy. They were even editing 8K footage on this thing, like multiple streams. I was just like, if you don't have a real need for a MacBook Pro and you just want a light computer that is powerful, this is plenty powerful. Um, especially if you're working in video or picture or like image types of workflows. You're going to have no problem here. If you want more of the ports or you want something faster, it's there. But if you can get by with the cheapest new Mac that Apple offers, like, like think about that. The cheapest M2 that will ever exist handily beats the current Mac Pro. Unless the MacBook comes back. Of course, of course. If we get, if we get a new MacBook, but that'll still be M2 or M2 Pro. But I'm just saying like for $1,200, you're getting something that you would have had to pay. You probably wanted like a top of the line Intel MacBook Pro to get similar power yeah. or not even, not even similar, less power. And now you just get the starting product. That just blew my mind. I think we're at a point, And I think to Apple's credit, where like 
their first gen processor was so good. Mm-hmm. I think caught everybody off surprise. And then the thing just got better that it's it's crazy to say it was hard to be that impressed. Like, yeah, of course you could have 48 streams of AK. Of course you can. The M1 could do it. Why can't they? Again, and, and we say it so matter of factly. And listen, you guys know that I'm the first one to give Apple a hard time where I think it's deserved. What they've done with their processor and the optimization. Now, assuming that you are not using this for hardcore gaming, right? There's a caveat there that's still gaming on the Mac is not the place to be. But, you know, everything else is so unbelievable. And the fact that now you've got essentially a flagship processor computer that light is incredible. I cannot wait to test the MacBook Air personally and selfishly. I wish it had an SD card slot, Mm. but I get it. I get why it doesn't. You got to differentiate and that kind of stuff. I cannot wait for it. My wife is using the very first generation MacBook, like the new the new design, the unibody MacBook, barely holding on. She is chomping at the bit for a new MacBook Air. Wait a minute. The MacBook, the 12 inch MacBook, 12 inch MacBook, like with like a she's still on that Intel M3 processor, I think, in there. Yeah, the M3. Wow. (laughs) Wow. She loves it. She loves that thing. She's like, I don't want I don't want anything bigger. I don't want I could carry a giant computer around. She's like, yeah. I mean, now it's a point like you have to have it plugged in for it to work and like, I'm not even mad at it. <laughs> she'll, she'll love this. She'll yeah. love this device. Listen, I think the MacBook Air is a perfect computer for almost everybody. And I think it was a perfect computer in the M1 form. And I think redesigned, it's probably the most perfect computer in the M2 form. And the fact that it comes in at that price and you can choose how much RAM you want. Now you can add more is awesome. It is not perfect. It's probably not the perfect computer for professionals. But I think when it comes to modern laptops in the past, especially since Apple switched out the keyboards and went to their own processors, everything has been a home run or mostly everything has been a home run. Sam, how do you feel? I know you didn't get to go into the hands-on area. <laughs> yeah, I saw it from a distance. Okay. It looked sharp. To, to Look, I, I, you know, I, Brian Tong, I met up with later that day and he was the one next to Tim Cook when Tim was doing like the press photo. So, I mean, I, you know, I saw Brian Tong, Brian Tong saw Tim Cook. So I basically saw Tim Cook with the new MacBook Air, you know, in an essence, <laughs> it was right there. So basically, you guys are best friends. That's what I'm, you know, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, I mean, I should just call him Tim. We're on a first name basis. It looks incredible. Like I watched Andrew's video. I watched, I watched everybody's videos. It was, it was beautiful. Like it, it looks stunning. The design is really, really good. I, I think I'm not going to get a scale of just how thin it is until I see it. Because to like my brain, I'm like, oh, this looks thicker than the, you know, design where it sort of slanted down. But I, I know when you hold it, it's going to feel totally different. And the fact that it's all that thin and consistent is going to be like, we've never seen that before. So, yeah, I mean, I can't wait. I'm I'm excited. Andrew, I don't know if you've said this, but, you know, we're going to be at, at VidCon this week. Yes, we are. On Friday. I'm going to be at VidCon. I'm speaking at VidCon. Wait, what? Are you really? I'm speaking oh, Saturday. John, we gotta, I got we gotta my own up. thing. Okay, shit. I'll, maybe we got a little something. To, maybe maybe I might have a little something to invite you to, John. Maybe we'll see if uh, a certain company gets you back in the good graces. I don't know. We'll see. But listen, Saturday, at, uh, I think Saturday at noon, I got my own panel. Love to have, love to have some familiar faces there. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'll, I'll put that on the calendar. But uh, anyway, I was going to say on, on that Friday the M2 MacBook Pro is releasing. And I've seen a lot, you know, you guys are kind of writing this computer off, but I'm just like, hey, we get M2 in a device a little bit earlier than the the Premier device. And I'm very excited to get it. I, I will be going to whatever the nearest Apple store to Anaheim is on Friday morning to pick this up and make a video about it. So I can't wait. Yeah, I feel like, why did Apple do that? Like, <laughs> why did they do it? This is like when the iPhone 8 came out like two weeks before the iPhone yeah. 10 or whatever it was, but it had the same mm. chip just to get people to buy the 8 first. And then, no, it was like, it was like 
three weeks because it was past the return mm-hmm. date. So if you bought it <laughs> and you wanted You're to done. keep it, you, you couldn't return it. It's like, what do you do? Let's just put the MacBook Air out there. Like no one. The thing is, the Air has so many things going mm-hmm. for it that the Pro doesn't have, and the Pro only has a brighter display and a cooling. Yeah, that's it. All the other benefits are highly on the MacBook Air side. Absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the Pro. <laughs> Before we get out of here, though, John, I want to ask you a quick thing. We're going off of Apple for let's, a minute. Let's do it. What's up with Rivian? How's your Rivian? Oh, you bought one. I got a Rivian. I went online. I looked and I said, what if I want to buy a Rivian right now? When will it deliver? It was like, you can have this at the end of next year. Enjoy. I was like, okay, yeah. wow. So you got one. I did. I mean, I, in all fairness, like I didn't, like I pre-ordered in 2020. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it wasn't like I, like I tried to, tried to pull any, pull any strings or anything here. I was, uh, it was early on the pre-order process. I love it so much. I really do. I think it's close to perfect. I've never driven a truck before. I have very little interest in hauling things, but I think it is the most perfect family car as far as how many, how much it can what? store, taking my kids. I took my kids soccer practice this morning, had them sit on the gear tunnel door take off their cleats, threw them in the gear tunnel. They were able to hop from the gear tunnel right into the back seat without ever having to like touch the ground. My family went to Big Bear at local mountains here last week. We're able to pack a full-size crib for my daughter. It just folds up in a mattress because we had room for it. Mm-hmm. Instead of having to rent one for 200 bucks, the drive is awesome. The performance is amazing. What I'm most surprised with is how quick the UI is. Like there's no lag, especially coming from the Lucid, which like I'd push a button and right. I'd wait like, wait like 40 minutes is incredibly fast. But what's even more surprising is their algorithms. When it tells you you have 250 miles, you can go 250 miles or between 240 and 255. Interesting. It's not like, you know, my, my Tesla's, it'd say 300 and I drive 150 and I have like 20 miles left. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> wow. So I, I love the car. I love the truck. I've just been, I've been really impressed with it. What was surprising is now it's the only thing that my wife wants to drive. Wow. Really? Yeah. It drives that well. Yeah. Why are you telling me this as I pre-ordered? So I think I've said this probably on the podcast now because I thought it would be done at this point. So I pre-ordered, or sorry, no, I put in my order for a Model S long range, you know, the new design in September of last year. (laughs) That was like six months after it got announced as well. I am still waiting. It's a long wait. It's a long wait. We, for my wife, we ordered a Model X over a year ago too. And that still hasn't delivered yet. And it's now to buy the same car is $30,000 yes. more expensive than when we ordered it a year ago. Well, maybe we will just sell that. That's literally what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm no matter what, I'm keeping this and I will make like, I think 15 or 20 grand if I sold it new. Like that's how insane it is. And just sell it for, yeah. sell for retail. Like I'm not even, not even marking anything up. How though? How do you just sell it? Just how well, do I don't you... know if I'm going to because I I'm kind of in need of a new car. Ask me in a few weeks. But, I've got uh, I've got I've got I've got a car that I'm going to be selling soon. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Interesting, interesting. Fair enough. Sam, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you guys. Thanks for sharing your WWDC Woo! experience with us. I wanted to have you back because I got so much joy out of seeing your dream come true. Thanks, man. <laughs> it was incredible. I'll be seeing you this week, starting tomorrow, VidCon. I'll see you tomorrow Woo-hoo. night, bro. John, when do you get there? John, do you live in that area? I'm like 15 minutes away. Okay, well, we're gonna be, we're all gonna be descending tomorrow. So 
We'll see you there as well. Sounds good, man. Thank you, guys. We'll be at your panel. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, my friend. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up. That's two words, not one in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.